You thought you could put tuna and chips on a pizza. You thought there would be no repercussions. You were wrong. Welcome to Motorsport 101. That intro went places I never thought I'd expect it to. You'd love to see it. Um, <laughs> hey guys, Dre here. Welcome to episode 262 of the Motorsport 101 podcast. And uh, whew, this is going to be the second part of a doubleheader where we're going to talk about everything that wasn't in the Monza, direct, well directly in the Monza weekend anyway, because there's a lot of news to get through, a lot of little things to break down in the next 45 minutes or so. Um, and with me, we've got RJ O'Connell still celebrating Minardi's greatness. Yes! Yes, it's still <laughs> happening. It's still a thing. Peep it. Yeah. Pierre Gasly is still a Grand Prix winner. Alpha Tori still have as many wins in the Italian Grand Prix over the last 12 years as Ferrari does. Helmut Marcus still it. doesn't know how to manage talent. I'm off my no. soapbox. Was, was he ever on it? Like, honestly. Uh, King is back. Hello, sir. Yes, I, I, I'm back to be uh, the bear of bad news? Question mark? Good news? Eh. Depends how you want to read it. We've got a lot we've got a lot of ups and downs to get through this week. Um and we've awoken him from his slumber. Cam Buckley, hello, sir. Hello, everyone. Um I thought I would do my best Michael Jordan impression by eating something that made me very, very sick. Was Unfortunately, it, was it, instead of was playing it pizza. <laughs> instead of playing, or rather showing up on the last episode, I just went and passed the fuck out. Damn, I, I didn't know I didn't know that they DoorDash from Salt Lake City to New Hampshire. <laughs> Be surprised. <laughs> Must have been an Amazon Prime delivery. It's just one of those things, I guess. Gets across the country in two hours. Oh um, uh, yes, love- food poisoning, powered by AWS. Oh <laughs> <God>. <laughs> yeah. was Hockey Kovalani a delivery driver? Apparently he's quite quick these days. Uh quicker than Valtteri Bottas. That's not saying much, really. Anyway, on this episode, we're going to be talk. Uh, we're going to talk all about Williams and, uh, well, I guess the changing of the guard in one of Formula One's greatest marks. Uh, and all, well, we're going to be breaking that down. We're going to be talking about a rebranding over for our new French friends at Renault, and uh, how Renault will not be on the name next year. That'll be interesting. Uh, a new story that broke about. God, two hours ago, and in, in real time, was when we were recording this on Monday, September 9th, or Wednesday, I should say, sorry. Uh, Sergio Perez will not be at Racing Point next year, so we'll get into that and the permutations that come with that. We'll talk about a big surprise in IndyCar, well, not really a big surprise, but a actual official bit of news that say a NASCAR legend will be hopping over for a few rounds next year, and the year after, as a matter of fact. And we'll be talking a little bit of World Superbikes as well to wrap up the show um, from the second round at Aragon as we got another shock winner. Maybe, uh, not, maybe, maybe not quite on Pierre Gazzi levels of surprise, but uh, it's a man on a Ducati uh, that isn't what you think he is. Uh, so, uh, yeah, more on that in the next 45 minutes or so. But basically, you can find us in the interim here on YouTube.com forward slash Motorsport 101. We are on Facebook. 
Motorsport101.com forward slash Motorsport101 or on Twitter at Motorsport underscore 101 and our personal handles are on the screen right now but also in the description down below at Harrison101HD and RJ O'Connell and Ryan Eric King and Xebuckley917 check them out if you haven't already as said the official podcast Twitter at Motorsport underscore 101 and if you really really like us you can back us financially on Patreon patreon.com forward slash Motorsport101 $5 gets you early access to all of our shows. $10 gets you in the supporters club of our Discord server where you can listen to these episodes live as they're being recorded and get early access to all the video podcasts a day before we release them to the public as well. That and a whole lot more on there as well. On our website as well, motorsport101.com as well. And by the time this goes up, there'll be a written piece by me on Pierre Gasly, so that'll be fun as well. But without further ado, let's get into the news. And, uh, whew! We got a big one to start off with. This was a bit of a bit of a shock. I mean, I mean, going into the Monza race weekend, I think it was on Thursday or Wednesday, it was officially announced. But uh, the the end of the Williams team as we know them, as uh, Claire announced that um, she and her dad Frank would be stepping away from the team after the Italian Grand Prix. So this Grand Prix we just had will be the last, as we know it, with the Williams current team structure and management and uh yeah claire steps down as deputy team principal frank obviously is team principal himself and michael driscoll the ceo of the team all leaving the sport altogether effective now given we've had the race weekend um and uh a quick side note as well we've got simon roberts taking over as new deputy team principal in the interim at least till the end of the year by the looks of it um Gentlemen, I mean, what more can you say than, you know, first and foremost, the change in identity of one of the sport's most legendary teams? It's it's stunning. It's not just the end of one era for Williams, um, the family, the team that have been involved with this team. Going back before the Williams Grand Prix that we knew that we know now, because this wasn't Frank Williams' first attempt at running an F1 team. He'd been involved in lower formula he'd had an f1 team before uh as a uh, as a customer car fielder it, the team that we now know started up in the late 70s had all those great successes throughout the 80s and especially in the 90s you know growing up i williams were the first dominant team that i knew through that run in the mid to late late 90s with uh with Renault engines with rothman's colors with dan hill and jacques Villeneuve, all that stuff and obviously they've fallen on hard times and that's kind of endemic of where formula one stands right now they were stubbornly to a fault the last of the truly independent teams and they wanted to stay that way for as long as they possibly could but the shady reality is that it's just not possible for them to keep pace the way in which they wanted to operate and it had been that way for quite a while it was it was really stunning to see that news come in first that claire was leaving then the whole williams family was leaving effective at the end of this weekend mm. wow. yeah because it it wasn't confirmed but the the rumor going around was well claire said that they asked her to stay and she said no and the rumor is that they asked her to stay but her father couldn't be nominally team principal anymore, that she would have to run the team on her own, and she said no. She wasn't going to, uh... She wasn't going to effectively stab Frank in the back like that. Wasn't no. gonna happen. 
No, she loves and, uh, Adar. She adores Adar. And I think RJ touched on it. I think um, this was almost an inevitability with the way, uh, as soon as we heard that Doralton was purchasing Williams, I thought instantly like, there's going to be big management changes because over the last, since Williams dropped from competitiveness, obviously they lost their deal with BMW after that partnership promised so much came close, but never quite achieved what it yeah. could have. Yeah. And you know, it's just on, been a on, revolving door on that note. BMW wanted more involvement and Frank said, no. Yeah. And since, since those days, it's been a revolving door of management of technical expertise and nothing works. And if you think, if people below, if you keep working through facilities and you keep running through lower level people, problem is probably higher up. And I think the way they wanted to run a Formula One team was it just wasn't viable anymore. And it hasn't been viable for years. Yeah, I think, I the think they, they really nailed 2014. They had an excellent mm. car. They had, you know, you look at, look at 2013, we thought that was as low as things could go because they were dumping everything into the hybrid era. Mm. But even when Williams began to fall again, you know, 2016 was rough, 2017, small improvement, 2018 is where the bottom fell out. They weren't that low on the Formula One financial chart. No, they had money. They were middle, they were middle of the road when this fall that they're only just now starting to recover from began. It did feel part of like the hybrids were the last was the last death sentence. I still remember to this day, twenty fourteen, where they talked about the thing. I think it was after Malaysia, and I remember Claire talking at length about the situation with the new hybrids and said, "Look, these hybrids have got twice as many moving parts as the V 8s before them did." And she said, candidly, the running costs were double what they were during the V8 era. And even though they built a very competitive car first time out of the box, they were challenging for wins. They were semi-regularly on the podium. I always had a sort of... They probably should have won. They probably should have won at Austria and instead sacrificed the chance at a win just to get points on the board. Because remember, the previous year, they had single-digit points. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. though... You talk about the running costs for the hybrid being so high. Mercedes offered them a lifeline. Like, mm-hmm. running Multiple. costs wouldn't have been an issue if if they were, uh, you know, somewhat of a B team to their engine supplier. But they said no. Right. Even, even beyond just being a B team, you know, before they became the most B of B teams in Racing Point, <laughs> Force India had no money. And that was clear. We watched the team quite literally die in 2018 and be reborn. Yeah. And yet every year after 20, uh, not so much 2015, 2015 Williams was still riding that high, but obviously Ferrari had jumped them in the queue. Mm. 2016, 2017 racing point was, or uh, force India at the time was drinking their milkshake in the midfield. On a, on a shoestring budget. 
not a great look. It, it, it seems the general pattern has been that sometimes their technical department has been excellent. They've had ups and downs where that's been concerned, but maybe, maybe their stubbornness from the very top, maybe from Frank wanting to do things his way and to run his, the team his way, quite sadly, might be what ultimately did him in in terms of you know the team as a whole. Um, you know, it's it's the approach that gave them so much for so many years, mm, but mm. you remember. They more or less shoved Adrian Newey out the door at the end of, in the middle of 97. And there was already signs that, okay, maybe this wasn't such a good idea when Ferrari was mowing them down in the second half of 97. Yeah. Like, and it's never been the same. In in more recent times, where money is kind of the big you know, get a second chance card. If you go down a development path, if you, if your development department gets something wrong and you make a big mistake, money is always a big fallback to say, hey, we could develop a different solution to try to get around this and somewhat catch back up. But Williams didn't how... have that security. If you make a mistake, that mistake is made. Well, look at, uh, I mean, the last time they really had money like that. Look at 2004 and just visually, how different the car was from the first race when we think, man, Williams really fucked us up. They dumped everything into the walrus nose and Ferrari's just out here beating them with a steel chair. By the end of 2004, they completely redone the car and it wasn't half bad. But even then now, the the nature of Formula One with the limited testing and, of course, the cost cap coming in, yeah. we need to see how the concessions work in in practice because... In current F1, if you go down the wrong path, you're not allowed, even if you have the money, and Ferrari is a screaming example of this right <laughs> now, But it, you're not it, allowed to fix it now. No, like, you're not allowed to fix it during the season, but the thing is, yeah. you could, it's... You can on off. Yeah, it's it's next year you get a chance to, to somewhat correct it, and... It's for Williams. It's compounding. If if you make a mistake one year and then you get an opportunity next year and you make a mistake another year and it compounds and it gets worse and worse and worse. And they don't have the money to spend and develop their way out of that hole, even if they could. It kind of reminds me of how you know in English soccer, all so many top teams with so many wealthy owners control the landscape, and you have teams lower down in the football ladder that are taking on unsustainable levels of debt to the point that they are on the brink of, or in some cases, completely shut down. Yeah. Oh, Saying goodbye to them was hard this weekend. I, I mean, yeah. I, I don't know if you, well, was, if you saw... You know, Williams, the Williams family, it's been around, it's been around in Formula One more than it's not been around. For 50 yeah. years, ever since Frank Williams was fielding cars for the Lake Pierce Garage, who was kind of the one person that, you know, kept Frank going through much of those early years. Because, you know, I guess that was kind of the impetus for him wanting to do things his way, for better mm. and sometimes for worse. And I, yeah. I, you could tell in the post-race comments, and, and George and Nicholas were on the radio saying goodbye to Claire and everybody else, and that... The way that they talked did not sound like a team that hated working under Claire, hated working under this management. 
That's a <laughs> I don't lot. know. Like, do, do we really have to go through all the times? Like, like I'm genuinely sad to see them go. But even in recent years, before Russell and Latifi, we shouldn't have to have to go through all the moments where people did not enjoy working at Williams in just the past five years. I say, Patty Lowe, who has a shining career as a Formula One technical director, he had two years at Williams and that whole reputation is in the drink. Mm. And I debate whether it really should be. And I, I, I think it says more about Claire and Frank as people, the comments, rather than... Yes. Yep. As people, there's not a bad word that anyone has to say about them. As management, eh, yeah. I put that more, I put that as cynical as it sounds, I put it more. So Frank, because a lot of people were willing to come out of the work work and say, including one Williams story and saying, oh, Claire doesn't know how to run a race team and she never did. But nobody was saying this in the four straight years that her team was picking up podiums, which is a lot more than what any team sponsored by Rich Energy has ever attained <laughs> and will ever attain. Yeah, like to a fault, yeah. Claire was always willing to be the face of Williams and take on relenting amount of flack that maybe Frank should have gotten in the last couple of years. Yeah, well, keep in mind, deputy team principal was just that. She was deputy mm-hmm. to Frank. Frank made all the final decisions. Yeah, of course. I think a lot of people forget that when talking about Williams, especially now, especially given the hinted talk from a certain bearded idiot um, yeah. that happens to an energy drink ah, brand that yeah. still keeps running his fucking mouth. But hey, here we are. Um, it doesn't help that uh, in terms of perception, the other last uh, female team principal we had didn't re- didn't actually didn't acquit herself that great. Sorry, Guido. It's not ideal, but some key numbers. 739 Grand Prix for Williams. 114 race victories in the end. 128 pole positions in 16 world championships. Uh, if you haven't seen it already, check out Williams on social media. They've been they've been very open with the fact that this is their last race you know, of their modern era. There is a heart-rending video about their history on there on the Twitter that uh, uh, it hits you right in the feels. Uh, I'll give like, you a minus I, It does hit you in the feels, but w- Williams, the team, aren't going away. Just new management. No. They're still going to be around. And hopefully, uh, hopefully that new management, and I believe Simon Roberts has a pretty good record at mm. McLaren. He's fairly well respected within the paddock. They got a new board. It's I got think, Matthew uh, Savage and Darren yeah. Fultz. James Matthews used to race. Graham Loudon's involved in this somehow. Doesn't what isn't one of them like related to the royal family? Uh, um, I, I believe one of them is married to Pippa Middleton. Yes, James Matthews is. Uh, See, okay. I read my glossy magazines. <laughs> yeah, Graham I mean, Loudon is an is a consultant at one of. I believe at one of Matthew Savage's other companies. Like yeah. oh. I think it was it was a lot of wishful thinking that people wanted Loudon to be the new team principal. I wanted him involved in the day to day running at the team. Like, so people like, him. like maybe because again, Roberts is technically just interim team principal. It could yeah. happen, but like yeah. don't don't get your hopes up expecting this to happen. 
So my question is, do you think that this new ownership group is here to stay in the long term? Or are they just going to try and see if there is a market to sell this team as soon as possible? Uh, I think I don't think there is a market to, to buy Williams. I don't think so either. And I think a lot of it's going to depend on uh, what they can get out of this year. Because mm-hmm. now they've got plenty of cash. Rest of this year and next year. There's going to be a big test for Doralton. It's going to be a big rebuilding process. And they'd be stupid to throw away the name because I think that's what a lot of people were cynically wondering. New ownership. They're going to turn Williams into Doralton F1 team. Smart car F1. But but the thing (laughs) is, that's Williams' most valuable asset. The the team name and the heritage of the team. All Um, those championships. Yeah, you don't get historical payouts anymore. But I don't know if sponsors are going to be willing to sign on just because you changed the name of a team that's been struggling for the past few years. It'd be as stupid as that whole whole Tigers proposal. <laughs> yeah, ask Lewis about that one. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think King's absolutely right. Mean? Liverpool Red Sox. <laughs> yeah, I... I, I, I oof. Um, no, but <laughs> oh dear, oh dear! Like Cam's not even a soccer man, and he hates it, and he supports Boston for Christ's sake. Um, it's, um no, it's it's. Guys, yeah, I think King's what do you right. mean? What do you mean they have the advanced engineering? Oh, yeah, like a lot of their a lot of their bigger stuff has already been sold off. I hope it's not one of these situations where the team just takes what assets what assets it's got. And then you know sells them again for someone else, and I. But I, I mean, again, sell them again to someone else for what? Like Williams' for, only value. Yes, they are solely a racing team. If they're not racing, they're not making money. Yeah, right. the Williams company, as it stands right now, is the racing team and the racing team only. As well as who the fuck are you selling an F one team to <laughs> for a profit in this in like this global economy? In yeah. this economy, based based on the people involved, this this venture capital group want to own a Formula One team. Yeah, right. Well, we've seen right. that in the past, and then they see how expensive F one is, and they realize their eyes were a lot bigger than their stomach. <laughs> was this happens in basically Lotus the third comes to Lotus the third. Um, Lotus <laughs> slash Team Lotus slash Caterham. Hey, so hey, slash second. Call hey. is F one. C- Caterham had money. Remember that. <laughs> no, yes. as a matter of fact, they didn't because all of it was going elsewhere, not yeah, into the, the team. I'd say the owners had money. They just didn't want to spend it on what they should have. Hi, Airbus. Yeah. <laughs> uh. What do you mean they weren't spending money on Johan Zarco in Moto2? Um, <laughs> but, uh, no, you're absolutely right. I hope it's more than just a rebrand, and I hope it's not just selling on. I think, I think King's right. I don't think, I don't think there's a market for a quick resell like other companies have done before, or other places and other sports have done before. I just hope they're in it for the long haul, and I hope the team can be kept afloat because remember this is a team that's already had to make redundancies earlier this year i i never like taking pleasure in hearing people losing their jobs i know it's in a good market but redundancies are redundancies the, uh, they suck um, this, is, this is the team that more or less uh they bet their whole property and all the historic mm-hmm. f1 cars yeah they they they, they sold the fact they, they sold the crown jewels as collateral so fingers crossed 
the Williams team can be kept afloat in whatever capacity it is. And uh, a salute to to Frank and Claire, and you know, wish them all the very best on whatever they choose to do next. Yeah, no matter um, what, uh, no matter what you think of, no, no matter what you think of Wilkin, of Williams, they are woven into the DNA of Formula One, and they always will be. Mm-hmm. They are one of the dynasties and defining families of an entire class of motorsport. Yeah, and, and they they will be they will be permanently etched into the history of the sport. And uh, a salute to Frank and Claire, uh, wishing them all the very best. Um, now, moving from a potential rebrand into a definite rebrand, um, because uh, this was an interesting one that came through on Friday. The Renault's Formula One team will not be known as the Renault Formula One team next year. It will be known as the Alpine. Is, is it Alpine or Alpine? I've got, I got to get it this. It is Alpine. It's Alpine. 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 Okay. Putting the, we're putting uh, the peen in Alpine. <laughs> <laughs> Big peen. Um, yes, uh, so it'll be known as the Alpine Formula One team, and I can tell you for free, King was immediately excited when he found out they'll be bringing back the tricolor colors next year by the looks of it. And uh, you just know, paint King, it King, for the love of God, just paint it the right blue color. Yes, please, yes, please. please. Hey, please. King, I've Alpine got a qu- blue is best blue. <laughs> King, I've got a question. Uh, do you, would you like for me to take over the banana bet? <laughs> and if so, is there a way that you could borderline get blueberry poisoning? Because I've got an idea for 2021. <laughs> oh, God. Maybe into 2022. I, I have an idea as well. This is. Oh, well, uh, let's get them all out there in this ideas forum known as the Motorsport 101 podcast tonight. I mean, yeah. what ideas are we thinking here, people? Hmm. I'm thinking uh, now, obviously. Due to uh, current outstanding global situations, uh, we can't really all meet up at a sports car race early next year. We'll see what happens mid-year. But in the event that that we end up meeting up after a Renault, sorry, Alpine by Renault E-Tech has won, (laughs) we get to Blueberry Pie King's face. Oh, God. Oh, God. (laughs) No, no, don't give it to King. I, I, I will take the fall for this. I will no! take the I will take the blueberry pie. <laughs> I but you want both can. We all can. Shoved in Kai's. I I want a blueberry pie shoved in King's face. Like after all the bets and wages we've made over the last six years, I want to see that face covered in blueberry. I want to. Like, what is it going to take King for this bet to happen? I'll do it. I'll do it. Like if if it's oh, yes! only if I get part of it too. Yeah. I, I am obliged as the internet's number one Fernando Alonso fan, <laughs> new number one driver, the Alpine F1 team, to take part of this bet. Please. Though, it would have I to be... I will fall on the grenade for King. It would have to be <sighs> that before we potentially meet up, which yeah, on paper it obviously. seems like it's going to be the six hours of the Glen. Uh, so if, if, if they can't Get a podium before the end of June. <laughs> this bet's not gonna happen. Look, at that's, uh, that's is, is there any water? Is there any water near Watkins Glen? Ah, uh, yes, Watkins Glen is uh, literally uh, by a lake. I I propose a spear in the fashion of Roman Reigns. If this cannot be met, <laughs> I'll blueberry uh, pie. Blueberry pie. <laughs> I want a spear. <sighs> but yeah, <sighs> um. All all blueberry based bets aside, um, 
I'm happy to see it. Cause, yeah, uh, it's, cool. I, I, it's, it's been odd that Reno, the, the, the Alliance yeah. just doesn't seem to acknowledge that Alpine exists in some parts of the world. Mm, when, yeah. uh, well, they've got a, well, they've got a, a really good LMP2 team in endurance racing. Oh, you mean that team that has no relation other than sponsorship to the Alliance because LMP2 has spec engines. Yeah, and it's sort of a situation where the team had to rebrand because in light of recent events and in light of recent events in terms of Renault having to be bailed out by the French government, and them having to lay off a massive amount of workers uh, the last time that happens. And uh, uh, we can't forget, Carlos gone do crime. Oh yeah, Carlos gone do crime, that too. Uh, (laughs) That that, that too, that that, that minor factor. So basically, Um, Renault wants to continue their involvement in Formula 1, but they want to distance them participating in Formula 1 from the rest of the company. Because yeah. uh, doesn't look, it's not a good look. It's not a good look, and it's happened before, and a lot of bad things happened the last time they continued in F1 after they took a government bailout and had to lay off a whole bunch of workers. Uh, yeah, you see, it's a double whammy. They get to promote their performance brand, and yeah. they get they get to distance their primary brand when all the people are like, wait, you just took a bailout and you're dumping how much money into this? And uh, the CEO doesn't have to get assassinated like the last time. Oh, oh God! <laughs> I was about Wait to use this to tra- King. <laughs> I was going to use this to transition at Alpine's history performance cars from the A10, A110 to the A310. Uh, obviously, all their other Back- two programs, but King just kind of blew it all out of the water here. Yes, because, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Because in terms of <laughs> the Renault Sport side of things, uh. There was direct action against Renault, whether it be when Alan Prost decided to lead the team, Renault factory workers firebombed his new Mercedes, or uh, the time that uh, two anarchists assassinated Renault's CEO. Uh, So, uh, Renault want to distance their performance brand from the rest of the car company. It's seeming like, it's seeming closer and closer that Renault Sport as a whole, just might be rebranded as Alpine, but that time will tell if that will actually happen. I'm kind of mm. surprised it hasn't happened yet, because Alpine, as it stands, has uh, one car. Yeah. Which, what, the, uh, the vision by the way, it's on Top Gear. No. Uh, don't speak of it. <laughs> and <laughs> it's also, cursed. I should mention, probably Renault Sport wants to hold off on that, since uh, we're in the middle of Formula Renault's 50th season. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Man. Formula Alpine. Formula Alpine. It's a great name. Yeah. It's a great name. Of course, name. Alpine, um, Alpine as a as their own company, effectively, before they became uh, fully integrated into Renault. Mm. Very successful in rallying. Mm-hmm. Won Le Mans in 1978 in collaboration yeah. with Renault. Good stuff. That right. gorgeous. Again, just paint it, paint it in Alpine blue. And I am fine with it. <laughs> I'm here yeah. for it. And then me and King get blueberry pies to the fr- face when Fernando Alonso leads the Alpine F1 team to glorious victory throughout some point in the 2021 season. I have got and a then, great feeling. And then this. RJ turned off his copy of F1 2021. <laughs> mm, my man. 
and woke up afterwards. Um, <laughs> now, this is a big story. This came through about two hours before we started recording this episode um, in a shock that came directly off uh, the man's Twitter page. Sergio Perez will be leaving Racing Point at the end of the season. Um, oh, a, 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 a statement that was put out uh, on his Twitter. Uh, I'll, I'll put it up real quick and give you the full quote. Um, at S. Checo Perez, of course. Uh, quote, Hi all, everything in life has a beginning and an end. And after seven years together, my time with the team will come to an end after this season. It hurts a bit as I've been on the team during very rough times. We managed to overcome obstacles, and I am very proud of saving the jobs of several of my teammates. I'll keep the memories of the great moments lived together, the friendships and the satisfaction of always giving my all. I will always be grateful for the opportunity given to me by VJ Malia, who believed in me in 2014 and allowed me to continue my F1 career with Force India. To the current administration, led by Lawrence Stroll, I wish nothing but the best in the future, especially with the upcoming Aston Martin project. I don't have a plan B. My intention is to continue racing here, but that would depend on finding a project that motivates me to continue giving my 100% in each lap. I want to thank each one of you who have been with me throughout these 10 years, to my family who has always been there to support me despite anything, to all the sponsors who believed in my project, to my staff, and mainly God, who blessed me with the opportunity to live this incredible adventure called F1. I hope I can give you some good news real soon, but for now, let's enjoy the next races. I carry you in my heart, Sergio Perez. Racing's a cruel fucking business, man. Bombshell. And this, is it, uh, is it this really a bombshell? Hours. Uh, what was that, Dre? Is it is it really a bombshell though? No. Yes, no, kind of, because this was only hours after Otmar Otmar Safnauer explicitly said our drivers were set for next year two years ago. Yes, man was, was lying. Man was lying to everyone's face. Yes, because Sergio Perez has a three year contract, which uh, he's. Only in year one of, mm-hmm. yeah, he signed it last now, year. Now we 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 mentioned it earlier on in the year that while Checo did finally get the big three year extension he always wanted, because previously he was on a string of one year deals year to year at uh, Force India that would later become Racing Point. He'd give he'd been given one year deals rolling throughout the year. And he finally got the big three-year extension. However, we mentioned it earlier in the year, it had a, a, a weighty buyout clause that he could be bought out for the rest of his contracts to be released at the end of this current season if they were willing to pay out the rest of his contract, which apparently was in the region of around £9 million, according to German German media. Damn, so, that's like that's you could buy like one seventieth of a Lionel Messi for that kind of money. <laughs> I know that, that is uh, that value. is a lot of an enormous pile of McChickens. Yeah. Hi Sasha. Yeah. Because, Hi Sasha. Oh, <laughs> we love you, buddy. <laughs> but yeah, but racing's kind of cruel because we we covered it. Like yeah, Checo basically put the team into administration. To save a bunch of jobs when Force India, as we knew it, went bust and became Racing Point. Right. Yeah. That was his con- um, biggest contribution to the team. And after still delivering solid performances, he has kind of been pushed out the door. Uh, we kind of we know for who at this point. Yeah. We kind of know. 
And um, I think it's uh, I think it's a shame because Perez has been the defining driver of this team in its many iterations almost mm. for almost the last two decades. Yeah, like, if he's been around for two decades, I mean, but <laughs> no, but it, it feels no, but like I'm he's talking been around about long. no, I but in terms of the team itself, when they were Jordan and then they were Midland and then Spiker and then race and then Force fucking India. Force India, he's been he's been like the icon of this team. More than any other driver for a very long time. He is a stellar driver. Even though he was like, pushed out in a really shitty situation. Like again, not not many people get to choose to leave Formula One. Most people are let go, and Sergio Perez has already had a very long career in F one terms. This is his tenth season in the sport. Yeah. Like, it's weird I to think it's his tenth season. Yeah, like I pretty much. I, I don't want to say have come to terms because it's like if Perez leaves, I like I don't like to me he's had a full career. I've I've seen him at his highs and his lows. Uh, like obviously everyone wants to at least get one race win. Uh, came close. Came close. Came, yeah. damn close. <laughs> he came damn so close. Damn two close. times. Two. two times in 2012 where. He was going blow for blow in pissing rain with Fernando Alonso. Yeah. And then he almost came back and won the Italian Grand Prix on pure strategy alone. Mm -hmm. That was was the year that Checo really arrived. And the next year, of course, he goes to McLaren right as McLaren, right as the bottom falls out as far as their technical department. He could have been out of the sport after that point. Yeah, right as the bottom fell out, and then he was sacrificed to bring up academy driver Kevin Magnussen, who then got a podium. Was then sacrificed. Who he himself was then sacrificed for Fernando Alonso's return. It's it's F one works in strange and mysterious ways, as King alluded to. Tenth season, I think if he sees out the full year, which he most likely will, I think he'll be in the two hundred club for Grand Prix, which is a pretty rare club as it is in F one. I know there's more races nowadays per year than we got previously, but still, two hundred Grand Prix is a is a crazy club. Um, there's a lot of open speculation out there as we're recording this. I've already seen guys like Chris Medlin mention that a certain someone in Ferrari is set to make an announcement on their future tomorrow. So by the, by the time this goes out, you probably already know what's about to happen. Maybe we'll be back next week for it. We'll catch up after or that. Or you know, to also we- remember that Aston, this will be Aston Martin next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Aston Martin obviously is more than a Formula One team. Yeah, our factory brand. They want to have big factory have them muddy and going well, after the guy who that. we think we're they're going to sign. More, more than that. Think of, gee, you just got a multiple time Formula One world champion, wink, wink, as your new big brand ambassador for your road cars for That's probably the rest of his life. Yeah, because keep in mind, and I, I will maintain this, when Ferrari chose not to re-sign this certain driver, Ferrari lost their biggest fan. Yeah. 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 And all yeah. aboard the Aston Martin train. Oh man, is it Mika too Hakkinen. late? Is it too late oh. for a cameo in no time to die? <laughs> 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 
<laughs> he would make a great Bond villain. I really do. <laughs> oh, like, you know, give, we, we need him in an epic car chase. You know, maybe as the villain's henchman, you can just have a silent role driving a car really quickly, and all the F1 fans can go, that's Sebastian Vettel right there! Ah! That would be really cool. I'm sorry, cool. Mr. Weber. I can't simply allow you to win this race. Wouldn't <laughs> <laughs> uh, be the first time you've heard that one. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, if, if this is the end for Checo, then he's out of a great career, one of the better drivers of the last decade, the king of the midfielders, which is See, no disgrace. Um, it's all it's, it's going to depend on him because, by all accounts, there's a lot of rumors that Alfa Romeo, the artist formerly known as Sauber, want him in the seat that they control because Sauber controls one seat, Ferrari controls the other for their junior program. Yeah, and... Mm. Uh, he most Reichen likely won't be going to Haas because uh, Sergio Perez's mm-hmm. biggest backer has already been burned by Gene Haas and another driver and just doesn't want to go through it again. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's that's outside factors that are going to put that to rest before it even starts. And they're going to be eyeing up the Ferrari Driver Academy most likely because Gene's for the first time said they're willing to take a younger driver on next year. I wonder what could happen with three highly rated, touted juniors beneath him. Um, Brand two doesn't go. It's the same thing here. Ideally, you would love to have a three-car Aston Martin team with Vettel, with Perez, who is still good, and with Lance Stroll, who's in the best form of his life. Take yeah, all your daddy's money and jokes aside. That's another factor That's another factor in all of this, is that for those who bag on Lance Stroll, he is, as mentioned in the podcast episode I was not here for, he is t- he's best of the rest right now. He's fourth in the standings. This is the form of his racing life. Had he's he not blown the second 20s. chicane? Had he not blown the second chicane, he's a legitimate contender for victory in Italy. Yeah. Yeah. Because his favorite's probably, that race. Yeah, he's probably in the fastest car of the three. And we see Lance Stroll for some of his woes in qualifying, the Lance Stroll rich dad. Routine that we always hear. He's a damn good overtaker. Yeah, he really is. is. And like Pull by it. the time, say they, you know, say Racing Point do sign that, you know, multiple time world champion. Uh, by the time that world champion's done racing in the car and he leaves and gets replaced with someone else, Lance Stroll will be the v- new veteran driver at Aston Martin. Yeah. And the scary thing is he still Definitely. might be under 25. <laughs> yeah. Sport works in strange and mysterious ways. Hope it's not the end of the road for Checo. I hope so. I wonder. I, I, I wonder. don't think it will be. I think he's he's still too good. Yeah. Yeah. You think. He's still too... You think he's still too good and has... Will have some... Have enough stock in his results... To, to steal a seat at the death. Yeah, like, give him, I, give him one more Mexican Grand Prix of Nervous Home fans, good health willing. Yeah, That's always one of the best scenes every year. Yeah, because, what, Kimmy's at the end of his two-year contract? Kimmy's like, at the end of his career, let's be real. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think, like, he he hasn't fallen off too much, but I think Sopper just want something new. Mm-hmm. Reikonen's, I mean... I feel like Raikkonen is pretty content either way about what happens because, well, that's kind of his whole brand. Yeah. Yeah. 
just plod along as always, see what happens. Um, there's another Kimmy Rogan is 41 in October. I mean, <laughs> it's like it's it's it, like next month will be it'll be his 41st birthday. I don't think they'll be giving him another big extension. And uh, let's be honest, if we're talking all about the hype of the Ferrari Driver Academy, the name that's first on the chopping block is going to be Antonio Giovinazzi. Yeah. Uh, no doubt about that, and he's yeah. not been particularly despite... great in Formula One, unfortunately. Yeah. And, just, and he has improved this year. Mm-hmm. That much is clear, but he's still being outperformed by an ancient Finnish hobbyist at this point. <laughs> an ancient Finnish hobbyist. <laughs> look, look, Kimi Raikkonen's just found an opportunity that fits him and fits his style perfectly. Definitely, definitely. Ooh, should we talk about IndyCar, boys? Mm. Oh, Lord. Boom! Confetti! <laughs> Jimmy is here at last. Now, IndyCar is back this weekend at Mid-Ohio. We got the doubleheader. It's on the calendar this weekend. Uh, they're going to have a few thousand people. Mid-Ohio apparently wanted more, but you've got to take what you can get. But who cares? Jimmy Johnson has a two-year IndyCar deal with Chip Ganassi Racing. Honda superstar, Jimmy Johnson. Yep. yep, street and uh, street and road courses, and is open to doing the five hundred. He's going to do the five hundred. Yeah. He's got to that. You know what this kind of tells me about Jimmy Johnson? He's bored with NASCAR. I think it's less about wanting to retire and go home, and more about I really don't want to be in NASCAR anymore. I think he's bored with NASCAR. I mean, the Southern Five Hundred finish that was fun. We had the two leaders take each other out stupidly. Mm. Yay! Mar- Martin Truex said, "Fuck them kids." <laughs> uh, yeah. it, it, I, you know, I love Martin Truex Jr. I've liked him as a driver, geez, since he was a rookie in the, the artist formerly known as the Bush series. But it seems like he's increasingly getting involved in these low percentage moves where he just sends it, can't hold the line, and just clean yeah. someone out. But Congratulations you know. on win number 57, Kevin Harvick, by <laughs> but the way. Back but on topic, J- like, yeah. Jimmy Johnson signing a two-year deal does tell me he's committed at being good. This isn't like a retirement tour. He wants to He wants to. This compete. This isn't cherry-picking. Yeah, he wants to compete. Yeah, and... As well, I think that Jimmy Johnson's driving style is famously unique in that he just wants the car loose as shit with tons of horsepower and control it on the throttle. Oh, boy. And that is where he was so incredibly good for years in NASCAR. It's how he racked up championship after championship after championship, garnering hate from all the world. Me included. Yep, and yeah, was one of those young people. me included, and NASCAR just isn't that anymore. And yeah, this is IndyCar, a, very well made. Yeah, be. this is a steal for not only Chip Ganassi Racing, but IndyCar oh, is, marketing. But IndyCar is a whole huge, yeah, because huge, huge marketing pull, opportunity. Because people forget that NASCAR, in terms of by all measures, NASCAR is still ten times larger than IndyCar. Oh yeah, yeah. massive NASCAR. The NASCAR boom, despite having ended years ago, the residual effects of it are still very clear to see. Yes, it's why we're going to have Auto Club Speedway becoming a half mile short oval. <laughs> don't I don't want to get sick again? No, it's fine. If anything, laptop, they need to go. 
They need to go further and just take Texas Motor Speedway and turn it into a 7th, 8th miles oval that we can actually have good IndyCar racing on. No, no, we should just take North Wilkesboro and push it somewhere else. <laughs> and push it to LA. <laughs> that won't happen. Look, no, Noted guest star of the North Wilkesboro 400, LeBron James. <laughs> of course. I like um, this one. Yeah, it's a great move. It's a great move for all parties. Jimmy stays interested. IndyCar gets a massive goddamn name in its series. One of the biggest names in North American motorsport. It's a win for all parties. And Chip, we all know he likes winners. Yep. Um, uh, there's and, few people who win more than Jimmy Johnson in this modern not, era. Not, not to throw any shade, but this is how Alonso should have done it. Oh, God, That's, yeah. Oh, You God, see, you're not yes. throwing shade yes. if you're just simply stating facts. <laughs> yes! Oh, God. Absolutely, dear God. Yes. Yeah, and I'm, I'm very curious to see because uh, mm. Jimmy Johnson has flashes. The man he ain't does. washed yet. Yeah? No, I'm very between, curious to see how he gets between, so even if he has, Even if he has throwback liveries for Darlington that are a little bit, a little bit suspect... What the hell was he doing with this? It's like a half Richard Petty, half Dale Earnhardt car that was made as a meme. In it, yeah, it's like a meme NR2003 livery. And more than that, the 8 looked weird because if you use the Richard Childress font for the 8, the Wicked Witch of the South comes a-knocking. <laughs> Trey, Trey, just look at this thing. Just look at this and tell me what you think of this. I won't. Okay. We're, we're going to have to put this... Yeah, yeah, yeah. King's gonna have to put this in post. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say because like the first thing I saw was like RJ's picture of Fernando Alonso in bed with breakfast, and I almost had to claw my own eyes. <laughs> um, um, Actually, no, that just that can just be the thumbnail of the show. Is, is, is that from your personal collection, RJ? Um, <laughs> That's for me to know and you to find out, buddy. <laughs> to be fair, that is that is a beautiful livery. That is what? Uh, the, oh, he likes it. That's fair. No, but the thing is, like, parts of I it like are beautiful, it. but when you put it together, it's a little bit yeah, this No, I like it. So, I like it. Yeah, this is a mashup of Dale Earnhardt Sr.'s, you know, traditional three in black with... Yeah, number the Intimidator three. Yeah. With Richard Petty's, uh, you know, STP. Uh, yeah. The thing is, for me, is they got that STP is a very specific day glow red color. And it's mm-hmm. not that, and yep. it's really no, it's me. not. It's a little bit not that. It's, it's really like bugging me. You know what is? You know what's bugging me more? Car. Don't, <laughs> don't, don't go there. And, and what was bugging me more is that on the way to the grid at Darlington, Jimmy Johnson <laughs> rocks up with a Richard Petty hat and Dale Earnhardt sunglasses. <laughs> that must be sacrilege in NASCAR terms. Like, yeah, this like is that? this Ooh. is that as a car. This is that as a car. You know, it's it like hilarious. that would that, be like rolling up to a football game in a half and half of both sides of Manchester. Like that, that would get you killed <laughs> in that town. Like, like no, you can't do that. Like, no, yeah, even better than that was Hendrick running uh, throwback of everyone is Jimmy Johnson. Chase Elliott oh. was Jimmy Johnson. William Byron was Jimmy Johnson, and Alex Bowman, we have to talk about Alex Bowman, was Jimmy Johnson. Even you, viewer, listener, you are Jimmy Johnson right now. (laughs) If you're playing NASCAR Thunder 2003 on the Xbox, you too can be Jimmy Johnson. 
You love to see it. No, great move for the series. Great pull. Great move for all parties. We love to see it. I'll quickly run through World Superbikes because we had some fun. It was the second of the two Aragon uh, race weekends, the uh, Terrell round, because we love regional surname. We have we love regional second names in motorsport to fill all these double headers up. And uh, we did get a big surprise winner in race one at Aragon, and it it was a Ducati. But it wasn't Redding, and it wasn't the no. King of Aragon, <gasps> Chaz Davis either. It was Michael Ruben Rinaldi oh my on, the, on the satellite Ducati that uh, that got the W in the end. He uh, got the lead off the Jonathan Ray on the opening lap and did not look back. It was a beat him down on the Kawasaki rider. Um, he was riding a... Br- there was a bit of controversy here because Ducati was running the new extra soft uh, experimental Pirelli that they were running um, that gave a lot of extra grip but also was designed to wear out quicker the drop off never really happened and uh, no, they, they Ray... accidentally created a super formula tire indeed and um, Jonathan Ray did not experiment on this tire he was on the harder compound and it showed um, Rinaldi took off uh, basically didn't look back and uh, won pretty comfortably, and uh, it was very, very cool, and uh, a great to see a new winner, a guy that never scored a super podium stock before. One. Yeah, his best finish before this race was fourth, and never even had a podium in multiple bikes beforehand. And this is a guy that had come up from the super stock one thousand category, the same category that Dino Petrucci came up from years ago. Um, and so you know the Italians do like a good super bike, and. Uh, no, he won by 5.8 seconds. It was a dominant win, and uh, it was a brilliant win. And uh, uh, It was a great win. Look, it makes me sad that Rinaldi has less Twitter followers than I do. And uh, So give him a bump, if you haven't already. He's a, he's a, he's a great kid. He really is. And uh, bless him, he bawled his eyes out when he heard the Italian national anthem uh, when he was on the podium. Um, and he, he was, was so emotional. There was a lot more Italian national anthem than I thought there was going to be last weekend. No kidding. No, yeah, no shit, um, to say the least. And uh, I love the little story he came over in the press conference office where he said, look, he told British Eurosport this when uh, Matt Roberts was interviewing him. He said, look, I got a text from a number that I had never seen before. Turns out it was Valentino Rossi. Um, <laughs> there you go. For a friend of a friend that said, that, say, that said congratulations on his first win. So that was, the, he, he said, oh, I almost made me cry again because my, my, my hero has sent me a text, um, which is pretty cool. I, I mean, if, Eddie, you ever, Eddie, if Eddie left that dude on red. Oh, <laughs> look, Pierre Gasly won in Formula One this past weekend, and he missed the phone call from Emmanuel Macron, the French president. Uh, so he he uh, he 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 missed a, a call from uh, royalty, shall we say, in France. Uh, so yeah, Michael Rubin Rinaldi gets a a fantastic first victory in multiplex over Jonathan Ray second, Chaz Davis third, and in case you're wondering, yes, that was Scott Redding that had a big DNF. He crashed out from third. He said he basically had wore his tires out too hard. Said he had no grip in 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 the rear whatsoever, and just tucked the front and binned it. Um, just but one this of those isn't this isn't the DNF that I remember from this race. Oh, tell us more. Tell us more, Cam. Just as multiple people in the call, as well as (laughs) Brother Ryan. Yeah, my brother. Not our Ryan, but (laughs) Um, Dre's Ryan. Yeah, context here for the, the little bit of extra help. Brother Ryan, who sadly is next door, and I'd love to bring him in right now because it would be hilarious. He is the <laughs> world's 
Trust me when I say this, and these guys would know because he was up last year at Ducati when he was in MotoGP and Fittipada, and he bawled his eyes out when this man finished in fourth. Um, just missed out on a podium in his one big, one big return uh, to MotoGP with the Ducati factory team. But he, he is the world's biggest Alvaro Bautista fan um, since he was wow. since he was in one two fives um, years ago, like two thousand six. Um, he's he's loved them so. Um, yeah, well, we... just as soon as uh, everyone was starting to work the shaft and think, okay, Bautista, you know, he's fighting for a podium, he oh, might I get it. I miss this. I miss this. Um, Brother Ryan is saying, is, is saying how much he loves Bautista right as Bautista's tumbling and over and into the gravel. Oh. oh. You bend oh. it on the bottom chicane just, just before the back straight. Fold at the uh, front. Oh. Folded the front, down he went, four laps from the end. He was again as as he's absolutely right, he was fighting Chaz Davis for a spot on the podium Can at say, that point. Because I wasn't here to say it earlier. Put the camera on me. <laughs> <laughs> Honda has won a Formula One race with both teams. Yep. The Indy five hundred. Mm-hmm. British Superbike. Yep. We haven't mentioned it yet on the show, but the 24 Hours of Le Mans on debut for the new Fireblade. Yeah, Wonderball Door. And are fighting for podiums in World Superbike. But they aren't fighting for podiums in MotoGP. 2020, everybody. 2020. Pain! Oh, pain. Nothing nothing but pain. Michael Rubinati on the podium ahead of Ray Davies, Van der Mark in fourth in the end ahead of Toprak, Alex Lowe's fifth, who was fighting a bad case of food poisoning pretty much all weekend. He just beat his uh, his old mucker and buddy Leon Haslam over the line for seven. Oh, shit. Did Alex Lowe's get that Utah pizza too? (laughs) Must have done. Um, Eugene Laverty, eighth. Federico Caracasulo, ninth. And Tom Sykes rounding off the the, the top ten. Also had to mention, if you haven't seen it on World Superbikes Twitter, Go check out what happened after qualifying when Michael Vandermark and Sylvan Barrier got into a huge fight. Road um, rash. It was road rash on Twitter. I haven't got time to really go through it in depth, but check it out if you haven't already. It's funny as all hell. There's a British Eurosport version with Greg Haynes commenting. We love we love Greg on this show. Oh check it out God, as well. I saw him. That. It was fucking hilarious. It was him and but they had Julian Ryder in the commentary box this weekend, <laughs> and, you, and Jules is broadcasting royalty. So it was awesome. Um, it, it's going to be a, a nomination for the Fight Club Award and, and the Harry Awards later on. The Harry Awards, sorry, the most one-on-one awards. That's my old YouTube channel, Jesus, um, for, the, for the most one one awards later on in the year, so that'll be great, check it out, it, it, it's as petty as you would expect um, on that one, it was quite funny, uh, Super Bowl race, Scott Redding would come back in the end and take revenge with a, a, with a, with a win there, actually the, I think it's the first time a Super Bowl race was not won by Jonathan Ray, pretty much all season long, so yeah, again, Redding ran the aggressive tyre, Jonathan Ray couldn't find a way past him. Won by just over a second. Michael Rubin Rinaldi third in the end. Bautista fourth, just ahead of Chaz in fifth. Low sixth ahead of Toprak and Haslam in the top eight on that one. That set the grid for race three. And I have to admit, I know it's kind of boring to talk about how good Jonathan Ray is. A man that's already got 95 career wins. in Well, 96 now. We've seen where this is going in World Superbikes, but this was 
a masterclass in how to win a motorcycle race with an underpowered bike. He he rode this beautifully. He was second for the majority of the race. He was fighting with Redding to try and take the lead and Ruben Rinaldi. Um, Redding, again, just he, he completely shot his tyres trying to stay with him. Uh, and, and Rinaldi as well. He, he passed Rinaldi at the corkscrew, didn't look back, and would win in the end by 1.2 seconds. It was a fantastic ride from Jonathan. Yeah, we actually Gladio saw something. We, we saw something going into this weekend where uh, Jonathan mm. Ray is starting to copy riding techniques from Mark Marquez, which is like giving Ultra Instinct Goku the Infinity Gauntlet. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it is a problem. Yeah, He's actually throwing a lot more of his body off the motorcycle now. Uh, these days, and um, he's actually wearing elbow sliders for the first time. So he's—I he, think he's borrowed, genuinely borrowed some of his game from Mark Marquez. And I know those two have a lot of respect for each other. They go back and forth on Overpowered Twitter. Overpowered, over—there is no kill like overkill. <laughs> Yeah, like, Jonathan's always had a lot of respect for Repsol Honda, even to this day, even though they kind of shafted him out of a MotoGP seat, they still are in regular contact, and then I, I know that Ray and Marquez are friends. Um, so, uh, dear lord, uh, Jonathan Ray learning off Mark Marquez is a terrifying prospect for everybody else involved. Um, but yeah, a, a, a stunning ride from him. Michael Ruben Rinaldi would finish in second to round off a pretty darn good weekend. A first, a second, and a third. Uh, by the time it was all said and done. One podium trophy of each colour. He'd love to see it. Redding was third in the end. Haslam up there in fourth for Honda. Good for him, because uh, Bautista had another crash, unfortunately. He's clearly in mid-season Ducati form again. Uh, Lowe's fifth, Van der Mark sixth, Toprak seventh, Baz, who went from 15th to 8th, good ride for him, second of the Independence, Caracasulo ninth, and uh, Garrett Gerloff uh, for the USA in 10th, uh, good points for the American, uh, you love to see it, Eugene Laverty 11th, Melandry 12th, who sadly has, has uh, left the Barney team effective immediately, that news came through this morning that Marco sadly is going into retirement. Again, um, we'll miss you, Marco. Uh, the bike racing's true entertainers. Um, sadly, no more in, in, the, in the Barney racing team. Javi Forres, 13th. Ferrari, 14th. And Ramos in 15th. Ferrari, 14th. Some things really do stay the same. Mm, some it's things never change. Uh, championship standings in multiple bikes uh, as we're halfway through the year now Jonathan Ray with a 36 point lead in the championship now after Redding's cataclysmic race 1 crash Redding's got a lot of work to do now from here. We know how Jonathan's not going to give up these points easy. He's on 243 to Redding's 207. Top rack still third on 147. Already kind of becoming a two-horse race for the championship. Chaz on 141. Vandermark 133. And all of a sudden, up to sixth is one Michael Ruben Rinaldi on 131. He's climbed all the way up from ninth to sixth in one weekend. Um, great effort from he, him. Uh... He'd never scored a podium before, and then he gets a win and a podium in one weekend. First, second, and third. Yeah, one race, one, third in the Super Bowl race, second in race two. Uh, so, I never had a podium, three come along at once. He's basically a rider of the London buses. Uh, great to see. Uh, a quick mention to World Super Sport. Andrea Locatelli is still out here winning. He's he's uh, he won both races again at, uh, at Aragon uh, to make it nine in a row. I'm going to keep tabs on this because the prospect of a perfect season is something that I find very very interesting. He beat Lucas Mahias in both races this time round to make it nine on the bounce. He's a perfect nine for nine 
as we go past the halfway point in the year. Um, but sadly, the weekend was marred with a very nasty incident, a turn one between uh, Jules Clazel and Raffaele de Rosa in race two. Raffaele de Rosa got his braking wrong into turn one and unfortunately plowed into the side of Jules Clazel um, on the opening bend. Clazel unfortunately broke both major bones in his leg in the oh, incident. Jeez. Uh, I know we joke on this show that it's never going to happen for Jules Cazelle for the Super Sport title, but just the man has just unbelievably wretched luck. And this is yet another one of those occasions where uh, it's been taken out of his hands. That effectively ends the championship from a competitive standpoint. Um, get well soon, Jules. Uh, we we like him on this show a lot. He's 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 a, he's a great great guy. Everybody loves him. He's he's one of those guys that everyone in in, in I talk to in broadcasting for for bike racing. They love Clazell. He's very honest, very open. Always gives a lot of time away to 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 places and interviews and whatnot. And uh, yeah, wish him a speedy one because that is a not. It was a nasty nasty crash. Um, over 120 miles an hour in a braking zone, and just his, his leg was a uh, collateral damage and a nasty. One. So yeah, get well soon, Jules Cazelle. Locatelli still leads that championship by 79 points. Uh, so yeah, it's looking, and now with Cazelle out probably for the rest of the season, um, it's looking like it's really is Locatelli's championship to lose on that one. They'll be back at Catalonia, as well as Water Bikes itself, on September 18th. First time back at Catalonia for a good while. Should be exciting to see how Worlds goes around there. Also, just before we get out of town, Ferrari breaking out a new livery for the 1000th Grand, Grand Prix this weekend at the uh, uh. quote Tuscany Grand Prix. It's a different shade of red. It's it's, it's burgundy. <laughs> it's burgundy. It's going to look fantastic finishing in 12th and 15th if they finish at all. Now to move on to something actually good. IMSA. Um, the Petite Petite. Yes. Yeah. The six hours of Road Atlanta was pretty good. Ricky Taylor ascended. Elio Castroneves has still got it. Juan Pablo Montoya got sent so deep into the Shadow Realm, he may never come out. Which is sad because he's got the Le Mans 24 hours to do next week. Yeah, he's going to have to, uh, he's going to have to phone in a, uh, a call out of the Shadow Realm. Uh, as a Porsche fan, fuck this year. That's because fine. no matter how many laps we lead, no matter how fast we are, something goes wrong. It's fine. Big mate won. Yeah, big mate. All all praise be the big mate. And uh, for next year, LMP3 is being integrated into the WeatherTech Sports Car Championship. Nice. Yeah, prototype challenge at home again. <laughs> prototype challenge at home. Hopefully it works out better than that did. Ah, look, we've got a lot going on. Tuscany Grand Prix, if we keep saying it's going to be bad and terrible, maybe it'll turn out great. No, what I'm thinking is, is that, so last year Mercedes had their one big off race when they brought the anniversary livery. So I'm thinking if Ferrari are so bad and they have a throwback livery, it may cause a stack overflow in the universe, and they might get a one-two. Or they miss 107% in all practice sessions and miss the race and qualifying. That would be far more on-brand for Ferrari this year. This car is a joke. <laughs> it fucking sucks. It sucking fucks. It's a piece of shit, and I don't and like it. I don't it. like it. 
<laughs> Damn it! Get out of my head! Yeah, well, meanwhile, while half our podcast turns into the angry video game nerd show, I think it's best I wrap it up while RJ keeps adding pictures of LeBron James to the set list. Um, <laughs> thanks for watching, everybody, or for listening. LeBron James, you can find us no regard for human life. Shut up, Cam. Um, <laughs> on YouTube.com <laughs> forward slash Motorsport 101 or on Facebook.com forward slash Motorsport 101 or on Twitter at Motorsport underscore 101 at Harrison101HD at RJ O'Connell at Ryan Eric King and at CBuckP917 and of course you can find us on Patreon Patreon.com forward slash Motorsport 101. $5 gets you early access to all our audio podcasts. Uh, $10 gets you in with uh, our supporters club on our Discord server that lets you listen to these shows live as they're being recorded and get Gets you early access to the video versions of the show a day before general release as well. Shout out to Tony, to Steve, to Vince, to Jason as well for tuning in and listening in. Hope you guys have liked both shows tonight. Uh, it's nearly midnight here in the UK, so I've been here for the long haul. <laughs> so this has been a fun one. Um, we'll be back next week to talk about so much the Tuscany Grand Prix at Mugello. Hopefully it's not a complete stinker. Uh, also, more Italian action as MotoGP returns at Misano for their first of their two rounds this weekend. That should be good. Um, maybe Yamaha back on the top with Fabio Quattararo. Although, one no, no break, breaking new story. No Jorge, no Jorge Martin, most likely. Allegedly, he's got the Rona. Not good. Um, get well soon, Jorge, if that's the case. Um, but uh, until next time. I'm an Andre Harrison, they've been RJ O'Connell, Ryan Eric King, and Cam Barkley. Until next time, see you in Tuscany. Sayonara. Later, y'all. Bye. The machina is not grand. <laughs> Bitch, what the fuck are you talking about? Yours might <laughs> be. Italian Grand Prix winner, son. <laughs> Let's fucking go. I Half of it was designed line. in Britain. <laughs> <laughs> Who gives a <laughs> shit? <laughs>